Well, hello everyone. How are we doing? Yeah, well, brilliant. Uh, well, my name is Paul Hatton. I'm one of the leaders here at King's Community Church. And uh, it's great to be here today. Great to be gathering uh, together. Great to be singing. Uh, we're church family together. So, um, you know, we're just kids in uh, all ages, uh, all together, whatever happens. Like if you just want to shout out during this, uh, then feel free to. We're all here together uh, as church family. So we've got the privilege here of, of opening God's Word uh, together. And today we're going to see uh, how we, as God's creation, how we move from death to life, how we move from anxiety to peace, how we move from brokenness to complete restoration, from shame to being washed clean, from guilt to innocence, and from loss to victory. These are some amazing trades that actually we find uh, these truths revealed in Scripture through Jesus. We get to be transferred from things that we, we don't want to be a part of our lives into wonderful freedom and life in Jesus Christ. Now, we've been working our way through the book of Joshua. It's in the Old Testament, so do grab your Bibles, get your Bibles open. Um, it's the sixth book in the Old Testament. So put a big turn there, and we're in chapter 5. And we've been... There's been a couple of big ideas that we've been uh, communicating over the last few weeks and that we read about in the book of Joshua. Uh, the first is this land of Canaan. So God tells the Israelites to go from the wilderness into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. And this promised land represents for us, two, like thousands of years later, our full inheritance in Christ. So that's Canaan, the promised land. It was given to the Israelites, and just as our salvation is given to us, it's a free gift, not earned, fully undeserved. And that the Israelites obtained it by this land, faith and obedience. They actually, had to, they actually had to step into the promised land and take a hold of it. And for us too, we are saved by grace, but by faith and obedience, we actually step into the full inheritance to enjoy all that Jesus has won for us on the cross. So that's one of the big, big ideas. The other big idea that we've been looking at is that Jesus is the true and better Joshua. So everything that we see in Joshua actually points forwards towards Jesus. We, we should see in the life of Joshua and this season for the Israelites actually pointing forwards to Jesus. So Joshua, he fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua, Jesus fought Satan, sin and death and overcame those enemies. Joshua offered sacrifices, while Jesus is the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Joshua is named a servant of the Lord, while Jesus is the ultimate servant, humbling himself, becoming like us, to serve us, and to bring us back to God. So Jesus is the true and better Joshua. And we found our way to chapter 5 in the book of Joshua, and I just asked Emily if she wouldn't mind uh, reading it. Uh, sorry, Reuben, I didn't give you a heads up on this. Which mic is best? This one? Go for it. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. 
At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that they had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones... And these were the ones Joshua away, circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they, were rem- they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal, Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. Hey, Jesus, we thank you that you are the true and better Joshua, that we uh, will see today uh, all that you've done for us, Lord Jesus, how this points, uh, this passage points towards you and the amazing love that you have uh, for those you have created. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we've made our way to this this part in the story. They've moved from the wilderness into the promised land. They've crossed over the Jordan by a miraculous uh, feat of God where he pushed back the waters of the Jordan and the Israelites walked over. And they're camped just before Jericho. Okay, and we'll get to the, the, the fight at Jericho uh, next week. Uh, but today we've got this like, of circumcision. So I know what you were thinking when you woke up this morning. You were like, I really hope we get a preach on circumcision. Um, probably weren't waking up like that. Um, but we're here. We're here in the story. One of the beautiful things about preaching through books of the Bible is that we just can't skip over bits that we might not like, that might make us feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, But the Israelites, essentially, they cross over the Jordan and they're on redemption ground. And the first thing that God asks them to do as they're on redemption ground, they've got this salvation, this inheritance, is to surrender themselves to God. It's the very first thing that God asks them to do. Before they fight, uh, before they go off and serve God into all the plans and purposes that uh, that he has got for them, God says, you must surrender yourselves to me. And that's this deal of circumcision. So you might be asking the question, why circumcision? Why not just, why didn't God just choose a tattoo? I'm sure the Israelites would have preferred that. Why not just a t-shirt? Like they could have had a t-shirt, couldn't they? You know, just a special t-shirt they brought out when they went out to the, te- to the temple, like, I am a child of God. Or a member's card or something, you know, less intimate, less painful. It's a sign. 
Well, circumcision was a sign. Can you shout out sign? Brilliant. That's one of the main things that we get from this passage is that circumcision was a sign. It was a sign pointing to something. A few years ago, we went to Land's End. Um, hands up if you've been to Land's End. And you've seen the sign, probably, the sign that points towards loads of different places. John O'Groats, it points towards New York, and it says how many miles uh, away those places are. Signs point towards something. And for circumcision, it pointed towards the covenant of it every Abraham. So every time they thought about circumcision, every time they were reminded of it, every time they, they did it as the people of Israel, it was to remind them of the covenant that they had with Abraham. So we read about that in Genesis chapter 17. God said, you are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Now you might be asking yourself, well, what was the covenant that God had with Abraham. And there are three key, key things to remember with the covenant with Abraham, and it's seed, land, and universal blessing. And we read about these three things in Genesis chapter 20. Surely, I will surely bless you. This is God speaking to Abraham. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations in the earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. So it was seed, it was a big family for Abraham, which turned into the people of Israel. It was land, and that's the promised land that we see here with Joshua. He's taking them into that land. But the purpose of the covenant with Abraham was always to be a blessing to the surrounding nations. It was never the love they experienced, the grace that they experienced was never to just terminate in on themselves, but it was always to go out to the surrounding nations. They were to be a light and a hope to the nations. And circumcision pointed towards this covenant. It was through the weakness and the pain of circumcision that the Israelites were pointing towards their miracle-working God. This was the sign. It pointed towards something, and it pointed towards God. To the God who would give Abraham and Sarah a child, despite Abraham being like 99 years old by the time he had Isaac. Sarah pointed to childbearing age. It's an absolute miracle. Circumcision pointed to uh, the God who would have a family numbering the stars in the sky. The God who would give the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey. The God who would make God's people a beacon of hope to the nations. The God who would conquer Jericho through an absolute miracle. So circumcision pointed towards this covenant. But you might be asking, okay, I, I understand that, I get that deal, like thousands of years ago, God had this covenant with Abraham and this deal of circumcision. What on earth has that got to do with so today? Well, I'm glad you've asked and you've come here expecting an answer. So the Bible tells us that we also need to be circumcised. So if we could just line up men, if we could uh, just... Not in the way that Joshua and the Israelites experienced it. But we read in Romans chapter 2 that a person is a Jew, 
an Israelite who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. And in Colossians 2, it says, in him you were also circumcised. So this is speaking believers. This is people who have put their trust and their hope in Jesus Christ. In him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. I want you to remember, if you're a Christian here today, if you've put your faith in Jesus, remember back to that day or that season where you did that and, and listen to these words. This was true of you back then. Your whole self was ruled by the flesh before you gave your life to Jesus. That we were all self-focused, self-obsessed, living for ourselves. We were, that was put off when we were circumcised by Christ. We were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, speaking about Jesus. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. God did a miracle in your heart. He broke in and made you alive. He forgave us of all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness. We were basically in debt to God. He has taken our sin, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So these verses tell us that we are dead, that without Christ we are dead in our sins. That our sins are that which cut us off from God. This was the curse of the covenant with Abraham. That actually if they didn't circumcise their children, if, they, if Joshua had not have circumcised all the men of Israel before they went in and, and conquered all of these enemies, actually they would have experienced a cutting off from the people of Israel. And it is our sin that cuts us. It's our rebellion against God. It's doing things our own way. And we see this cutting off actually probably in our own lives. If you think about your experiences, maybe those times where you've hurt someone, maybe you've lied or cheated uh, to someone, maybe you've done something wrong on purpose and you, you experience this, this cutting off from that person, that, this distance from that person. When our children, when they do things that, that are not right, so we say to them, look, you're going to have to spend some time in thinking time because when you're acting like that, you cannot be part of the, f like you no, they're still part of the family. You cannot join in. <laughs> Don't laugh. Okay, I'm trying my best here, Claire. Um, uh, <laughs> um, that they, they, they cannot join in with family life. There are certain expectations that we have of them, and actually they get cut off for a few minutes while they think about what they've done. We experience a cutting off, and ultimately our sin is against God, and we experience a cutting off from God. There's an illustration that you might, uh, might have heard uh, or seen, and it's this, that that this hand represents us as human beings. Okay, and that our, 
essentially is on us, and it's a barrier between us and God, that we are cut off from him. There's this other hand, and this represents Jesus, that Jesus did nothing wrong. He lived a perfect and sinless life. There's no barrier between him and the Father. He's in perfect communion, perfect relationship with him. And the Bible says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. But then it says this, that the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all upon him. That Jesus took our sin, that Jesus chose to be cut off from the Father so that we don't have to be cut off any longer. He took upon himself the sin of the world because he loved us, because he was for us, because he wanted a relationship with us. And do you know where that leaves us? It leaves us free to have a relationship with God. We are not cut off any longer. Jesus bore the burden at Calvary. We don't have before been called the great exchange. We don't have to try harder. We don't have to become a better person. We don't have to be more moral, more ethical, more ecological, more environmentally considerate. None of these things will save us. They will not make us right before a holy and perfect God. The Bible says that we simply believe in Jesus and trust what he did on the cross. He did for us. We trust in him. When we believe we were circumcised, as it says, but the non-Colossians that I read, not a physical cutting performed by human hands, but the knife was in the hand of Jesus and he cut off our old self that was ruled by the flesh. The old affections, the old desires, the flesh that just wanted to live for ourselves was cut off. For those of us who love Jesus, we've experienced a heart transplant, if you will. And the rest of the Christian life then is not trying harder. We were saved by grace and we go on being saved by grace. The rest of the Christian life is stirring up those affections in Christ. He's given us a new heart for others. And he calls us to stir up that love for him and that love for others. Have you surrendered yourself to Jesus? Have you done that for the first time? Maybe today you would say, actually, for a, for a long season now, I've, I've, I have followed Jesus, but I've actually noticed walking away from God recently. Not living a surrendered life, not living in line with that circumcised heart that God has given me. Well, God calls you again to surrender. They were all, that's what the Israelites did. I mean, they were already the people of God. They were already inheriting the promises and they were part of God's people. But God called them to surrender again. And God calls us to surrender again today and every day of our lives. 
So circumcision was a sign that pointed to the covenant that God had with Abraham. Colossians teaches us that we need circumcised hearts to enter into a relationship with God. And this relationship is not based on Abraham's covenant. It's a new covenant. All of the covenants in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus. This is the new covenant. It's a covenant of grace. It's a covenant that we accept by faith. It's wonderful. All of the promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. But it begs the question, okay, well, if there was a sign of circumcision that pointed to the covenant with Abraham, what is the sign that points to the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ? And we read it there in in verse 12 of Colossians 2. It's... Where is it? It says that we've been buried with him in baptism. We've been buried with him in baptism. Baptism is the sign that points to the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. We enter God's kingdom through circumcision of the heart. It's through an act of Jesus. It's through his initiating grace in our lives that we are saved. We're not saved by baptism, but baptism points towards our salvation in Christ. It points towards the hope that we have in him. We're saying, so as we get baptized, we're saying, I've put my hope and my faith in Jesus, that I am his. And if you've not been baptized, Jesus calls you to be baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ to be baptized, to go down into the waters of death, to say, to identify with Jesus in his death, but to be raised again to new life and to say, yes, my hope is in him. It's a stake in the ground. Say, I am his. So how does this help us follow Jesus today? Just a couple of things. Firstly, we live from a place of gratefulness. As a result of being saved by grace, as a result of not earning it, just receiving it as a gift, having done nothing to earn it, it changes and transforms our heart. As we receive that, our heart softens. It softens towards those around us. Towards our spouse. Towards our friends. Towards our family. The the love that we have received from Jesus Christ, we are able, therefore, to extend to others. And secondly, we walk in line with the circumcised heart that God has given us. This looks like embracing the fruit of the Spirit. I can encourage you to read Galatians 5 where it talks about putting off the sin that does not belong to a life with Christ and embracing the fruit of the Spirit, living in line with that love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
heart. The, the knife that was in Jesus' hand to, to cut off our old heart is actually still in his hand to cut off those old parts of our lives that do not belong to a life with Christ. We often say that there are certain things as revealed in the Bible that you cannot do and follow Jesus. And Jesus wants to cut those things off. He wants to break into our lives and say, look, that doesn't belong. That, that's not right. That's not good. That's not going to serve you well. And it doesn't honor me. And Jesus comes in by his grace, by his empowering presence in our lives. And he helps us say no to ungodliness. It's a wonderful gospel. It's wonderful grace. We never get too far on in our Christian life not to live a daily life shaped and framed and dictated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. These, what, I've, what I've unpacked, what we've read about in Scripture these are not just the basics of Christianity. These are, these are the things that define our lives. As we look to others follow Jesus, as we look to love God, as we look to love others, as we look to tell others about Jesus, these are the things that motivate and dictate the, uh, our heart affections for Christ. Let me encourage you today to, and every day to stir your affections for Jesus Christ. Do everything you can to stir up your affections for Christ. Read the word, pray, get around other Christians that will encourage you and point you towards the gospel, point you towards Jesus. Sing, make daily, sing. Your father, get worship music on. Sing along, spend time with your father in those quiet places. Stir your affections for Jesus Christ. And, and as you do, your heart will be changed. Those, those things will be cut off. You'll be able to say no to those things that don't honor him. There's a, a load more application as a result of that. And we've had a wonderful encouragement to be rooted in life groups. These are the places where we get to put into practice what we've heard on a Sunday and actually apply what we've heard. And hopefully you'll have an opportunity to do that in the coming uh, weeks as well. Now, after being circumcised, the, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. It says in verse 10 that on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The Passover where they had to kill a lamb, that they're in Egypt, kill a lamb, put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. It pointed towards a sacrifice that had been made for them. Fast forward to Jesus at the Last Supper. Jesus said, my body will be broken. My blood will be shed. Passover was replaced. If you're a follower of communion, 
We're going to celebrate that today. If you're a follower of Jesus, let me encourage you to do that. Hopefully you've got uh, you know, a little bit of juice and uh, a wafer. Um, if you've not, I think uh, over there where Jacinta is, do you want to wave? Um, I think there's some, uh, some there. So during worship, we're going to respond um, now. We're going to come before Jesus. We're going we're gonna to surrender our hearts to him. Let me encourage you to just bring yourself before God. To say to him, Lord, I'm all yours. I give you my sin. I give you my brokenness. Thank you in return. You give me your life, your hope, your empowering presence. Johnny, Sarah, do you guys want to come up? If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus... Maybe you want to take communion for the first time. You can do that responding to Jesus, turning away from your sin and turning towards Jesus and to start following him, to enter into community with other Christians. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the salvation that you have won for us. We thank you that we get to enter into relationship with the one who made us. You've the one who created us in your image. We're your children. You've adopted us. You've welcomed us in. Thank you so much that we are adopted back into your family. Lord, we love you so much. Help us as your people to surrender to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you so, so much. Amen.